Welcome to Take a Deep Breath. Today's breathcast is with Dr. Chris Walton, PhD. And Chris is the author of The Gamma Mindset. Um, and in this podcast today, we talk about peak performance and more importantly than peak performance, rapid change to peak performance. Chris has got a uh, methodology, a method where he can get people into what they call gamma mindset. So the brain has many different brain waves and gamma being one that can be associated with flow state and a lot of other beneficial ways um, of kind of improving our lives. So a uh, very interesting chap, Chris. He's, he's also a Brit um, and we recorded this podcast a couple of months ago now. Um, really, really loved speaking to Chris and we need to do a part two where I go and see him and actually practice the method. Um, after the podcast, if you want to know more about Chris, head on over to GammaMindset.com uh, and also pick up his book, The Gamma Mindset. Um, I'll put all the links to the descriptions below. A uh, really enjoyable chap uh, and something that I personally am very interested in. It's like, how do we make change? How do we make change quickly in our lives? But for me as well, it's always, how do you make change that sticks? Because it's very easy to go on a diet or, or put a new routine in place, but are we still following that in three, six, nine months time? So with Chris, it's all about how to make those changes, how to get into the, the, the subconscious mind and do some reprogramming. So there's a lot of science that backs up the things that he said. He's got a, a career where he's worked with pro athletes. So I think you'll get a lot of value from, from this podcast today. Um, just a couple of very, very quick messages from me. Um, if you haven't done so already, please like, subscribe and share. Take a deep breath on YouTube. We're all about breath work. We've got over a hundred different videos now relating to breathing exercises, slow, medium, fast paced stuff, deep nose holds, all sorts of very cool stuff on there. So make sure you check out the back catalogue if you haven't done so already. Uh, we also have breathcast and podcasts, which are all mostly related to breathing. And then there's some stuff like today where we actually get into the mind, health, wellness, all that sort of stuff as well. So there's plenty for you to, to keep you busy during these bizarre times that we're in. Um, the last thing from me is the Instagram account. So takeadeepbreath.co.uk. Link again is in the description below. Please check out our Instagram account. Please subscribe on there or follow. Um, we've got some really cool content coming out on there as well on a regular basis as well. Anyway, enough yakking from me. Let's get stuck into the podcast. Cheers. Right. Okay. We're recording. So, um, right. So good morning, Chris. How are you doing today, sir? I am doing very well, Mike. Very well indeed. I feel good, my friend. Fantastic. I, I, already your energy is feeding through. So I'm so, so excited to have this conversation with you today. Um, I want to do a bit of background about who you are first, but could you just give the viewers just a little teaser of what the Gamma Mindset is? And we'll come back to it in a sec. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah, the Gamma Mindset is a technique that I created a good few years ago that creates a peak brain state. So I'm, I was, pro yeah, going back maybe 16 years, 17 years, something like that. I was testing out different meditation techniques, different mind techniques, different brain techniques, and measuring brain waves while I did that. And so I was exploring a little bit how to, how I could get a, a deep, a very rapid deep state of consciousness was actually what I was looking for, a peak state of consciousness. Um, which sort of rolled off my master's thesis that I'd, done, that I'd done a few years before that, which was about creating peak and mystical states of consciousness. So then I took that research further into measuring brainwaves and I created a, an, a, by putting four things together, four separate things together, I created this technique that creates a peak brain state called gamma and they're called gamma brainwaves and we can talk about that. Um, really quickly, like in 60 seconds, you see this, this peak state of consciousness 
and that gives you a lot of things, a lot of benefits to you physically, mentally, and emotionally to be able to do that on a day-to-day -day basis. So in short, the gamma mindset is a technique that rapidly creates a peak state of consciousness. Superb. And I can't wait to kind of unpack that with you today and, and understand really what that means and how it works. Um, yeah. So, okay. So Chris, if you just maybe go back and give us a bit of your history then, where, where, where have you come from? What, what were you, how did you get into all this? So just give us a flavor of who you are, please. Yeah. Yeah. Well, after quite a few ropey years leaving school and not knowing what I was doing, <laughs> I uh, was saved by my love for sport and fitness and went off uh, early, early 90s and, and did a degree program in the science and management of health and fitness. So my first sort of 10 years or so, I worked in the health and fitness industry. I, was, I started personal training. I, I started working at a private club in Berkshire. And I started uh, personal training in 19... Well, actually, I started personal training in 1990. Uh, I didn't even know what I was doing then. <laughs> and, um, and, and so I had a career in that. This was before personal training was a, a thing in the UK. This was before we had any big chain clubs, you know, there was any private clubs back then. Mm. Um, so I, I was in that world for about 10, 12 years. I ended up training professional athletes, which I absolutely loved. I trained five out of the top 10 um, best squash players in the world. I trained some uh, British skiers, um, rowers, uh, a whole range of people, as well as normal people. And this, I was in my 20s, I was absolutely loving it, you know. And, and then the, towards the back end of the 90s, I was really um, training these um, uh, squash players intensely. And I trained the world champion and world number one man. I, I trained the world champion and world number one woman at the time. They were both Australian. Um, and what I was seeing is during, the, basically what I saw was that all these players Basically, any of the top 10 could win the tournaments. They had the skill, they had the fitness, you know, they were driven. Any of them could have won, but it was the same top two or three people that kept winning. And I was training these people week in, week out, you know, and I thought, what? What is, what, what, what's the difference that keeps making these people win? And when it came down to it, it was the mindset. It was when you're under pressure, you know, when, when, when the heat's on, can you still bring your skills, your knowledge, your experience into that moment, you know? So I really got, it was about 97 it was, I really got really interested in the mind and the mindset on performance. And then, you know, as the universe does, I remember watching a, a BBC program called QED, and um, it, it was about brainwaves in sport. And that just got me, you know, I was just like, what? And that was it, you know, I was into psychology from that moment on and I studied everything that I could and lots of trainings and programs and all that sort of stuff. I ended up doing a, a master's degree in, in, um, in psychology at Liverpool University, Liverpool part-time. That was early 2000s. And then I went on and on and on from there, studying all sorts of stuff and mind-body stuff, but always with a view to personal change and peak performance. That's right. what I've been interested in for a long time. How can we change? How can we get the changes that we need to better ourselves? And how can we get into that peak performance zone? How can we, even if we're not sports people, but just normal people, how can we perform well? Or at very least, get into states of flow. Get into, you know, we, you know flow is the word used in psychology. Zone is the word used in sports, the same thing, you know. How can we get into those states, those states of consciousness and develop them so that, you know, our lives are easier. We are flowing, we are thriving, not surviving. You know, I've been interested in that for a long time, but the original interest came from sport, came from the world of sport. Yeah, so interesting that, isn't it? There's, uh, everyone's got that uh, athletic ability. So they, they've all got the strength and the, the kind of aerobic fitness and all that sort of stuff to win. But there's just that small percentage at the very top that seem to dominate in, in certain sports. And, and what you're saying is that's coming down majority or if not all to mindset, because actually if you compare the physical bodies of those people, they're probably, there's not much in it between them. 
that, that, that's exactly what, particularly with these squash people. I mean, I was, wasn't was a squash player, but I was always mm. a, fit, a fit sort of sportsman athlete, some description. These people were unbelievably fit. I mean, this you can't get any fitter than these. These were the elite of squash. And if you've ever watched a squash rally, it's mm. just like, oh my God, how are they keep going? You know, the, the stamina, the, yes. the flexibility, the reaction time, you know, it's just like the, the actual hand-to-eye coordination of where you're putting a little ball half an inch over the tin, you know, it's like, it's amazing. Yeah. Yet, that being said, and I used to train these guys. I knew how fit they were. We were doing fitness testing on these people. These were fit, fit machines. One of the guys, he, his name was Rodney Isles. He was the world number one and world champion. Still to this day, I don't think he was a human being. And I'm, I don't even joke about that. Still to this day, his heart rate, his resting heart rate was 27. 27. Oh, wow. That's a lot better than Tour de France stuff. You know, so the fitness Mike was there. The skill mm. in the men's game particularly, the skill was nothing. It mm. was like, you know, comparing a, a Federer to a, you know, um, Djokovic or something in tennis. You know, there's, just, there's nothing in it. You, you, they play 10 games, five wins, five wins. Yet, the same people kept winning, the same two or three people. And I thought, well, this doesn't make any sense. If they're mm. as fit, you know, they've all got more or less the same experience and skill, more or less, yes. what's happening? And it was mindset. And I, I've seen that time and time again in multiple sports, even from down to darts and, darts and snooker, you know, right the way up to rugby and MMA at the other end of the physical scale. Um, when push comes to shove, and when we're talking about that, you know, that, that, that top three, four, five percent, it's mindset for sure. 100% mindset because the physicals are given by that stage, you yes. know, and you wouldn't, ha you wouldn't have the experience, you know, if you didn't have the experience, you wouldn't be up there, you know. So it, it, when it really comes down to it, but, you, you know, you, that, that maps over to life, Mike, you know, it maps mm. over to real life. You know, I was training also lots of what are called normal people, you know, non-professional athletes. And week in, week out, they would tell me about their life, tell me about their stuff, you know. And over a period of time, it's like being a therapist. You know, I'll see them twice a week for a session, you know. And they'd tell me about their life. And let's say I trained the wife at the start of the week and the husband at the end of the week. And they'd be telling me about the same situation, but two completely different stories as if it was a completely different situation, you know. So I really got to see firsthand with the athletes and normal people, the mind either helps or hinders us with mm. world champion level performance and day-to-day -day health, happiness, and the, and the success that we have. When we really get down to it, it's our inner world, you know, the inner mind, the subconscious, what's playing out at those levels that really has a massive effect on what shows up for you and, mm. and what potential you can bring to the table. So once I recognized that, I, I was just like, wow, this is, this is the next level of me. You know, I've done 10 years as a, a strength and conditioning guy, and, and now I'm going into the mindset, you know, so that, that's, that's what happened. Yeah, I, I think I mentioned to you when we had our meeting call a couple of weeks ago, I've become a bit obsessed with this David Goggins guy. Um, and, and he's so much about mindset um, and kind of he calls it callous in the mind. So I really want to ask you a couple of questions before I um, ask about why people are the way they are. What, just give us a bit about flow. What is flow? And, and, and can you just describe a bit about the definition of it? Yeah, I, I, I can. And it's a good question. So I think if we keep it simple, the flow state means really that all of you is moving in the same direction. So what does that mean? It means that if you have a goal in life, maybe you want to make more money or you want a new business or you want to buy a new house or you want a new partner or you want to be the next level sports person or whatever your goal is, it doesn't matter. You know, again, this is not about being an elite sportsman. Everybody's got a mind, you know, and we've all got a body. Uh, and if you can use the mind well, then it's a hell of a lot easier to, to you know, to flow through life. So the flow states about all of you, and when I say that, I mean all of you subconscious processes are in alignment with what you consciously want to achieve. 
So that's a flow state, but then we have to remember, oh, we're also, we're in a body, we're in a physical body. So there are aspects of your physiology that need to be balanced, like your blood sugar, for example, having enough food in you, making sure you've, you haven't had any food intolerances where you've, you've got inflammation. So there are many things in the body that you need to really tick the box to make sure that all of you is moving in the right direction. And that's what I call it. And the flow really sort of says what it is. It's a flow through your day without inner resistance. And that's the key, Mike. It's a flow being able to experience and access, let me say it this way, being able to access your skills, knowledge, and experience with ease, mm. without any inner resistance. And that inner resistance could be mindset, you know, negative emotions, limiting beliefs, in a dialogue that doesn't serve you, support you. And it can be, you know, blocks in the physical body. As I say, you haven't balanced your blood sugar, you're eating the wrong foods, you're not overly healthy in the physical body. When you get those two right, then you can flow. But the real key to flow, and this is something that's not overly spoken about, the real key to flow is what I said at the start, is making sure that subconsciously, what is happening at that subconscious level is taking you in the direction that you want to go. And that's the biggest issue for most of us, you know, that we have all these old outdated programs that we want to go this way, we want to make more money, we want, you know, a nice life and, and all the things. Um, but actually, subconsciously, what's firing off in your physiology subconsciously isn't allowing that, you know, switching your brain off, causing stress, negative inner dialogues, negative emotions, so that you end up, it's really, really hard to flow when that's happening. Mm. So the flow state is when all of you is moving in the right direction without any resistance. Right, okay. I, I understood it slightly differently. So tell me if this has got called something else or it's a derivative of flow. So when I'm doing, say, jiu-jitsu, uh, and I'm in the moment, or I'm going into an ice bath, or I'm climbing the mountain, I'm not in the past or the future i'm in the present and time seems to go really strange for me like i i i went to the lake district a little while ago we did a seven hour mountain climbing track and it felt like it was a couple of hours and i still can't believe we spent seven hours in this state where i'm very alert at any point i might slip probably not but i felt like any point i could slip off the mountain we're with a guy we're on ropes um, and i thought oh i probably was in some sort of flow state is that flow or is that something else no those are absolute key aspects to flow mark you're absolutely right so a couple of other sort of characteristics around flow is exactly what you just said you are fully in the present moment and that's a beautiful thing because when you're fully in the present moment then it, that allows you for all of you to move forward, you know, as long as there's no resistance inside. And that notion of timelessness or time distortion is a big part of flow. You know, the flow state is you can almost feel bigger than your physical body, bigger than just the, the small sense of you. In a, in, a, in, a, in a sense of awe and wonder, time can sometimes be much slower and sometimes be much quicker. Mm -hmm. But you are fully present in that and living every second of it step by step. That's a beautiful place. I mean, in reality, we should be learning how to do that when we're four or five years old. Yeah. And then the world would be a different place because everybody would be centered, everybody would understand the mind, everybody would be aiming for flow, and then we'd all get on a lot better. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, so those, those points are crucial things that you felt mm. It, it's, it's very addictive as well because especially when i'm doing jujitsu and by the way I, I, i'm a white belt I, you know um but when i'm i'm in there getting choked out and, and that, you know rolling around i'm having so much fun um a two-hour session just goes like that and i'm not thinking about credit cards i'm not thinking about what my boss said to me yesterday you know all of that's gone and you just and you, and you come out of it just and i feel very peaceful afterwards as well yeah no. 
Yeah. And, and exactly what you just said, though. You know, there's no thought about credit cards. There's no thought about, yeah, exactly. There's no resistance inside. There's nothing coming up resisting you to being in the moment and enjoying what you're doing, you mm-hmm. know, because you have a love for But Funny enough, I, start, I, I started jujitsu last week. At my, oh. first, my first lesson, at the grand young age of 50, I started jujitsu, which, and, and I know exactly what you mean, because from the very first move, the very first arm bar, I was like, oh my God, this is awesome. You know, I did a lot of martial arts as a younger man. It was just like, oh, I found another, I found, so I was just, and for that whole hour, I was just like, boom, and it felt like 15 minutes. Yes. You know, I was like, oh, that was just amazing. I learned two techniques, you know, I was, yeah. Uh, blah, blah, blah. But just that in the moment, you know, feeling where all of you is present is a really nice way to live. And, you know, if we could do that throughout the day, we'd, we'd have a richer life. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh okay. I, that's super exciting. I can't wait to see how we can kind of get more of that because, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's an addictive feeling. So going back to these athletes then. So you've got these squash players and physically they're the same ish. Obviously, I know there's a variance and they train and, and all that. But you've got that gap at the top. What has happened in their lives to give them that edge? Because I know we, we've got a technique we can talk about, but why are they in that space? Is it uh, genetic? Is it to do with the way they were brought up by their parents? Is it all of the above? Could you give us a bit of your thoughts on that? That's a phenomenal question. And it's something I have asked myself for years and years and years. What is it that makes the top the top? You know, what is it that makes these people that are at the absolute number one, what is the difference between them and the the world ranking five to 10, which are also phenomenal athletes, but they're not the top five. What is it? That's a really good question. And I don't know whether I've got a definitive answer, but funnily enough, it's been something I've been thinking about it a lot recently as well. And I think that the the dominant um, mindset with all of the athletes ever that I've ever trained, particularly professional athletes at a really decent level, it's just that they have a complete and utter focus and goal to achieve you know um whether it be the british title the world title the local title you know whatever it is you're so almost obsessed with achievement with that you know performance um that that probably pushes you that extra one or two percent more than the rest and it's funny i was talking to a friend of mine the other day who was at a sports psychology uh lecture by a couple of young you know 30s psychologists and they were talking about, uh, you know, these days what we want to foster is more um, traits like connection and openness and compassion with each other, you know, at the top level of sport and in sporting teams. And I said, that's lovely. That's really lovely and fluffy. But mm-hmm. give me some, if you want somebody to win, give me somebody that's hungry, ruthless and brutal. And they will smash at any sport, anybody that's in connection, love and compassion. You know, it's like obviously connection, love and compassion and all those things are beautiful traits for us to develop as a human being. But if you're talking about the top level of sport and it's not keen and trendy these days because the whole world's gone politically correct mad. But majority of the top, I said, I don't know the majority, but certainly the, the, the elite athletes that I have met and had the pleasure of training. And I've trained six world champions up to this point, uh, Olympic athletes, all sorts, Commonwealth athletes. They are ruthless. They want to win. They're lovely people. They're nice people, but they are ruthless. That is the goal. Rodney, who I mentioned earlier, Rodney Isles, he was so focused 
He was, and he won the world title in 1998, and he beat the top guy, a guy called Jahangir Khan at the time. He beat the champ at the top. He was so focused, so dedicated. They have so much intensity on the goal. I think that's what gives them that extra one or two percent. And sometimes, you know, again, people don't like to hear that, but sometimes, you know, their families take second second fiddle. You know, their kids take second fiddle. Everything takes a second, you know, back step to their goal as being the number one or the number two or performing mm-hmm. at the best. And um, I think, you know, I think that's a trait that it's not, you know, it's a positive trait, you know, it's having that one single point of focus and you will do absolutely anything to achieve it is probably what make, what, what makes these top, top people uh, actually get to the top. That's, that's yeah. what I think. Yeah. Uh, and you see that, don't you, with different people like, um, you know, I, my, my knowledge of boxing is very, very limited, but I've, I've obviously seen all the films everyone's seen, like Cinderella Man. I don't know if you ever saw that with Russell Crowe. Yeah, and this yeah. guy, I, I just remember this scene where he's like starving and they, they give him like a little bowl of food before the fight and he's not eaten like for a day or two days. And obviously that we don't know about intermittent fasting now, but still, um, you know, this guy's starving in the hungry and he goes out there and he bashes this guy to bits, you know, and this other guy's probably had really good nutrition and all these different things, but he's got that kind of hungry mindset. Yeah. And then you see these other people that kind of get the $100 million payday and then the kind of, you're comfortable, aren't you? Your belly's full. You've kind of achieved what you needed to. And it's really hard then maybe for those people to find that fire again to, to keep going. Because it's, well, I've, I've done, done enough now, haven't I? Uh, but yeah, then you see some people that keep going, like Conor McGregor, I guess, is somebody that got that big payday. And I know he's in a position with his career now, but I still think you'll see him come back again because he's got the hunger to, to achieve more. It'd be interesting to see whether he has got the hunger. I mean, he came back and got absolutely spanked against yeah. Habib, didn't he? After all of his jai 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 he got absolutely... I mean, he wasn't even in the fight, was he? So we'll have to see what he's got left in the tank. He, he talks a good game, so um, yeah. we'll see what he's got left. But, you know, there, there is that saying from, from uh, an old middleweight boxer uh, in the 80s, Marvin Hagler, uh, and he says, you know, it's very hard in the morning to get up and do your runs when you wake up in silk pyjamas, you know? <laughs> Meaning when you've made your money and life's yeah. comfortable, why the hell are you going to keep grinding it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So that's a factor, it's particularly in a sport like boxing, which is very obviously a very, very, very hard, dangerous sport. So, yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I think, you know, obviously these sports people, they still have to make money. And in reality, it's only a very, very few you know, that actually can make a lot of money to live unless you're a footballer or a rugby and they should at the top end of the game, you know, most, most pros still work, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that, that, that drives you. Obviously we've got to survive. We want to make money, we want a good life. So there's still the, the, the raw ingredients of motivation to, you know, to, to create a decent life and, and get some money behind you sort of mm. thing. Yeah, because there's, um, there's, there's a couple of people that come to mind. One is um, the lady that invented Spanx. She was like one of the first female billionaires um, in America. And, and she talks on Tony Robbins about um, how her dad would sit her and her sister down every morning and go, right, what did you fail at yesterday? And it was almost this celebration of what, what did you fail at? Brilliant. What did you learn from that? What are you going to go and fail at today? Well, I'm going to go and try and do Spanish. Brilliant. Okay, let's see how you get on with that. And they would kind of celebrate the fact that they've tried something and maybe it wasn't for them. And then they'll move on to something else. Yeah, and, and that, and that she, I think she puts a lot of her success down to that mindset that she got from her dad. Whereas for a lot of us, I think failure is a really bad thing. And oh my God, I failed. It's so embarrassing. And then I think also about um, Dr. Carol Dweck's book about growth mindset. And I was reading the chapter a couple of days ago um, and they were talking about people that say they can't draw. And I, I would say I can't draw. And there are some people that are just born with this ability to, they've got this good spatial awareness and they can draw really good yeah. self-portraits. And there's, she references another book where they show the before and after of, a, a random group of people where they try and draw themselves and it just looks awful and then they've done a really decent job and she goes no no you can learn all these skills it's just understanding the depth and the size and spatial 
you know, all, all these different things. But people say, well, I, I just can't draw. So it, to me, there's these things around so much, I think, and this is why I really want to hear from you. So much, I think, is kind of what we learn as children and it kind of locks us in a bit of a box and we kind of have these limiting beliefs. And so what I'm keen to understand is how can we break through some of that? Well, that's been... Uh... That's been a big part of my career for the last, you know, 20, yeah, for 20 years, actually, yeah. I mean, I've been, I, I, yeah, I jumped on that early, you know, from working with the athletes, uh, as I say, realising it was the mindset, my underlying thing was, right, how can I change the mindset? You know, how can we get into that mindset and change it? And I studied everything. I studied hypnosis, NLP, this, that, and the, other, the, whole, the whole usual regalia of personal development <laughs> stuff that's available. Some's useful, some's rubbish, and, and, and away you go, you know. That, that led me on to the research into this technique, the Gamma Mindset technique, which what that technique allows you to do, because of the brain state that it creates, it gives you direct access to your subconscious mind in, in 60 seconds. So you can actually open up, if you like, access your subconscious, reprogram the subconscious with positive beliefs and habits and then come back out and then, you know, carry on with your life and then just keep doing that until you make sure that all of you is moving in the right direction, that you so, that all aspects of your subconscious are updated to be in alignment with what you want to do. So linking back to what you said there, yes, indeed, you know, those first six or seven years are absolutely, you know, crucial for all of us. And depending on the upbringing, the state of our, you know, the, our parents or our care providers, whoever brought us up into the world, you know, just depending on the state of their health, mentally, emotionally, physically, the environment, the financial situation, the social economic class, the political system of the time, on and on and on, the environment that we grew up in, that has a massive impact, of course, on what's downloaded into our subconscious, particularly those very, very early years. And we download that as the rules of life, what we tend to think of as the rules of life. But of course, we've just, we've just learned that from the environment that we're in. You know, in my, in my book, I use the example of Madonna, who I think in 2008 um, uh, adopted a, 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 a little girl from, uh, I think it was Malawi in Africa, don't quote me on that. Um, and she took, it from a, took this little girl from a peasant family who couldn't read, couldn't write, had no skills, you know, very little water and, and, and resources, really poor. As you can imagine, into the complete opposite of being Madonna's child and everything, the education, the nutrition, the care, mm. blah, 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 blah. You know, so you can imagine that's, that child was so di- will be so different today and what they can do and achieve yeah. and create. And that's just taking somebody out of the environment. It's the same child, it's the same genes, it's the same physical body. It's just the inputs into that child are obviously at the opposite end of the scale, which will then create a different person. So we're all programmed right from the dot. And again, I still, for me, I think it's something this should be more uh, taught and, and, and youngsters have awareness of this so that they can start to update the programming, change the programming from, from young kids. You know, that's, mm. that's what I'd like to see. But yeah, I mean, we're all influenced, Mike. And we, we all, you know, we've all downloaded information, belief systems, emotional reactions, thinking patterns related to certain situations that we've learned. And mm. they keep playing out and they keep playing out and they keep playing out. And sometimes they're useful. Most of the times they're outdated and they're limiting us. And, and that's the key to change those, update them. And then again, coming back to our first stuff, being able to then get in the state of flow and enjoy your day with full access to these skill, knowledge and experience. It's very difficult to do that if you've got outdated limiting beliefs and emotional reactions firing up in your subconscious. What, what is the subconscious and, and conscious? Because I, I would struggle to, to define that to people. So what, what are the differences and what are they? Yeah, I, 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 with all this stuff, I'll keep it simple. Uh, you know, keep it simple that actually means something to me. 
And really the conscious mind, our conscious mind is what we can use, what we can use, it's not necessarily we do use, but what we can use to make conscious free will choices. You know, when we're in the present moment, like you mentioned, you know, when you're doing your jujitsu or when you're climbing the mountain, when you, you, all of you is here, you know, we're fully here in the present moment. I'm with you now, I'm fully here. Mm. I'm not thinking about anything else. I'm looking at you or, and, and vice versa. Mm. We're fully present in this conversation. We're here, you know, but if I'm not present in this conversation and if I start drifting, if I look outside and I've got a beautiful view and then, you know, my inner dialogue takes off and then I start thinking actually, what time's the gym, what time's jujitsu? And then I'm like, you know, I'm not fully with you. But if I'm not fully present, and this is the key, to keep it simple, if we're not fully present in the moment, and we're not consciously controlling our thoughts, feelings, and actions, then what's controlling our thoughts, feelings, and actions? It's our subconscious system. Mm. So if you, to make this easy, if you think about it, if you think when you're walking down the road or any time of the day, anywhere, do you consciously choose your emotions? Mm-mm. you think about that you go no i'm not consciously going right i'm going to feel happy now i'm going to do something to make me feel happy i'm going to feel frustrated now i'm going to do something to be frustrated i'm going to feel anxious no obviously not else you'd be mad you don't consciously choose your emotions you can consciously you can consciously stop an emotion you can consciously do things to change your state but you're not consciously choosing emotions so this is where we really realize the power of the subconscious you know day in day out your emotional subconscious systems being triggered by invent events in your environment that can be triggering all sorts of old stuff that's not even related really that can you know that well to what's happening so the the the, the way to i think to think about the mind is this is when do we ever only use our conscious mind in reality we only really use our conscious mind when we're in the present moment mm. but for the most part life's busy and we're overwhelmed with information you know um and people have a lot to think about and they're distracted with social media and news and this and phones and emails and, and whatnot. So whilst, you know, the majority of the time, what most people do is we're thinking about the future in our conscious mind. We go, okay, what's next? As I said, what time am I going to get to? If I start to think, what time am I going to get to the gym? Then I'll go to jujitsu, blah, 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 blah. I'm not even here. I'm mm-hmm. thinking about later on. Or I start thinking about last night, you know, that film was rubbish. I really enjoyed that food, blah, blah, blah. Well, whilst we're thinking like that consciously, what's living, what's driving you? Mm. The subconscious is driving you. You know, your auto, autopilot thoughts, feelings, and actions, the automatic reactions, that's what's driving your life. And so once you sort of get your head around that a little bit, then you go, yeah, actually, we're not as nowhere near as conscious as we think we are. Consciousness itself is almost a little bit of a it's a little bit of a trick, a sneaky sense of humor of the universe, I think, because any set of thoughts, any set of feelings, they happen. And then we become conscious of them half a second later, literally Mm. half a second later. So it seems like we're conscious, but you're actually only conscious of what's just come up subconsciously. Now, of course you can be conscious. Like I said, right now I'm with you. I'm looking at you. I know exactly what I'm saying. I'm fully embodied sitting on the chair. I'm right here with you. So that's when you have power. That's when you can control your life. You can control your situations. You can make the good decisions. You can see opportunities. You know, you can get clarity on what you want to do, and so forth and so on. But for the most part, we're not in the present moment. For the most part, as I say, life is busy. And as we go through our day-to-day life, we're thinking about stuff. We're living in the future. We're living in the past. And when you're like that, your subconscious is driving you. And a lot of, a lot of guys, you know, 
it's not guys, a lot of people. You can get to midlife and you can really see that in flow. You can get to midlife and maybe you've had, I don't know, one or two marriages. Maybe you've got one or two kids. Maybe you're doing a job that you don't <laughs> like. And you're like, what the hell am I doing? How did I get here? How did I get to be doing this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't. You didn't because you didn't consciously choose that. Yeah. Your subconscious created that. And that's what happens. And this is one of the biggest things people, you know, that we really need to grasp is we're not as conscious as we think. We're not making conscious decisions. You can, but we're not mostly. And if your subconscious is full of old, outdated, limiting beliefs, limited emotional reactions, then you can imagine, you know, that's a limitation Whatever that means for you in life, that's not going to help you create in the life you want. So the two aspects of the of the mind uh, <laughs> have, two, have different functions. They have different processing powers. A whole, you know, the whole different systems to, of which run run us and, and inevitably control us. Yeah, Chris, can I just say first of all, this is bloody fascinating stuff. Um, and I'm thinking, who's driving the car? Is it the conscious or subconscious? I'm thinking about me as a person. Who am I? Am I both? Am I a bit of this person, a bit of that one? Wow. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, as you know, the car's a good example because most of the time, you know, you know how to drive a car. You don't need to be consciously engaged. It's like you're cleaning your teeth. You don't need to consciously think about what you're doing. You can be, you can be in la-la land thinking about a film last night in depth. You can do the whole thing. You can shower without being conscious, you know. So, but like I say, that's, wow. that's great if your subconscious is taking you in the right direction. And for most people, it's not because... We're human beings. We've all had a conditioned mind. We've all had an upbringing, and even the silver spoon ones that have a you know really fortunate upbringing, they still got conditioned minds from parents, from grandparents, from so on. You know, so it's the key really to use your mind properly is really to update that subconscious and then take control of your conscious. Is this similar to or the same as the chimp paradox, where you've got this kind of chimp brain that reacts? So I think the example is you're driving in the car, and cuts you off, and you just start going mental at them because mm -hmm. um, you're already driving. You know, you're in a metal box driving at 70 miles an hour, and you're probably already at a heightened state of anxiety. And then you, the road rage happens. But then the other part of you is like, oh no, that, that would be really silly because I don't want to go to prison. You know, I don't want to get into a fight with this person. Is that that, or is that something different? The kind of chimp no, paradox. It, it, it fits nicely with that. So inevitably, if we think, if we take it a step further, we think, okay, our perceptions, whether they're conscious perceptions or unconscious perceptions, but the way we're perceiving the environment through the inputs that are coming through our five senses, inevitably, which part of the brain does that fire up? So the way we are perceiving life, you know, the way you're perceiving your job, the way you're perceiving your colleagues, the way you're perceiving your partners, your children, your career, the way you perceive that and make meaning of that in your mind, does that fire up the stress centers, the, the chimp brain, or does that fire up the higher centers and allow you to think clearly, be in flow, make a plan and make the best decisions? That's the, that's the nitty gritty. But you have to remember, they're your perceptions. Mm -hmm. You know, whatever's out there is not prodding you. Whatever's out there is being filtered by you. And that's programmed, you know, whatever, however you've got that connected and the associations and memories in your personal history, whatever that's firing up in your set of circuitry, is it firing up the stress centers or can you stay in flow? And that's the nitty gritty. You know, that's the absolute nitty gritty. When I have clients in my one-to-one -one practice, I'm testing that all the time. I use a muscle testing process. So they can say something like, you know, all parts of me are ready, willing, and able to achieve my goals. And I can test and see whether that statement fires up their stress centers or whether they can stay in flow with that and stay relaxed with that. Obviously, if it fires up their stress centers, that's a, that's a subconscious block. Your subconscious is saying, uh-uh, no. You know, I'm going into stress about that, about that statement. 
So, you know, then any time people are thinking about being successful, wanting to be successful, if it keeps firing up the stress centers, even a little bit, Mike, you're dripping your body into, you know, you're dripping stress chemistry into your body, your brain switches off a little bit, you feel a little bit anxious, and you can't think clearly, and inevitably, you don't see the opportunities, you don't make the opportunities, you don't take the action, because you're a little bit too much in stress. And people live the whole life like that, you know? So, yeah. so the mind, the, the, the way we perceive through the mind then tells the brain what to do either go into a bit of stress or stay switched on you know and, and that's, that's 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 all you really need to know i think of, you yeah. know the, of that wow for, for me everything changed when i started listening to um to joe rogan and i was like oh there's these there's these people out there that think differently to what's on TV. And this was like 2000 and I don't know, 14, 15, something like that. And then through that, I started doing jits. And then that got me thinking, oh, because I always thought martial arts was punching people in the face and, you know, all these, oh, no, no, there's techniques you can learn that are actually don't hurt people. You know, you can, you can, and you can actually learn how to defend yourself without having to do big karate kicks and stuff. And then kind of, I would say that I was in a bit of a dormant state for a good 15 years marriage all that sort of stuff and, and, and as you said really you know um you kind of you go down a path and you think how, how do i get down this path you know, a couple of dogs house mortgage marriage you know job that i wasn't particularly happy in and and, and, and you know that exact thing you just said i got to kind of uh, um, maybe mid-30s a little bit earlier and i was like what where the hell am i and how how have i even got here and, and then i started to question everything and, and and the last five or six years for me it's just been poof. And, and it really all started with the joe rogan podcast um and then you know going to see wim hof and, and oh my god you can actually get in cold water and then i walked across spain and i thought i can't walk 500 miles in 30 days and did that with very little training and so, wow. so i'm just on this kind of piece now where i think i can't really even recognize the person i was sort of five or six years ago i know that that person's still within me but something triggered and changed and i can't quite articulate to you what that exact thing was but something kind of went off as a switch going oh no there's so much more out here you need to start exploring it is that a common thing then that you start to see with people as they get to kind of a bit a little bit older or does it happen at different times to different people i don't know really whether I'd, I'd like to say yes but i don't think it's an age thing I, I've, I've quite often uh, wondered what what causes some people to change and do what's required to change to get where they want to go and what and what stops people inevitably when it comes down to the nitty gritty. Uh, and I, I certainly don't have a definitive answer for that. Um, but I do think that, you know, just little, little, little snippets and seeds here, you know, like, like for example, you with your podcast, you know, people might dip into five or six of your podcasts and just for five minutes, just take something. And those five or six take something to add up to something that, that might get them to go, do you know what? Maybe I can, or why can't I? Or, you know, let's just do something different or, mm. and just starts them off on a path. You know, you know what I mean? Um, I forgot what the original question was now. Where was I going with that? Well, it was really about change for me. It's like, what, what causes people to change? So I appreciate we've got your method, which we're going to talk about, but before people even understand that some people, they kind of just do a bit of a 180 in life, don't they? At certain points. And I've seen it with other people as well. And I'm just curious is it a bit of accident? Is it that I just stumbled across a podcast at the right time and it just opened me up to a different path? Yeah, it's a good question because, again, it's something that something I think about a lot. But I think, you know, generally, you know, in developmental psychology, which is a whole field of psychology, the suggestion is that people change because of life conditions. The conditions of their life either get them to change one way or the other. Now, obviously, that's quite a big abstract uh, term. And it's not always true because people can be in shocking life conditions and still 
not do anything about it, you know, even if they have an opportunity, a job offer or something, they're mm. stuck. But maybe it is those life conditions that just condition them into a certain way. But we see a lot of the times, Mike, where people have had really challenging, um, you know, traumatic childhoods and tough, you know, they turn that into some magical life, some where they really achieve because they, they push through all that. It's forced them to go, I don't want that level of negativity and stress and pain. Mm. I'm going to do something, whatever, you know, no matter whether you've got a degree or you can barely speak, you know, people create magic things out of drive, out of, you know, inspiration and, and stuff. You know, why, why, why people, some people do and some people don't. If I were to be totally honest with you right now, I actually think that is down to some development level of your soul. I think it's something to do with something beyond you coming to the physical world, which is a whole other topic, you know. But that's what I think. I think it's something to do with soul development, and soul level and soul age and soul experience. Because I am, you know, in, in 25, 30 years of working one-to-one with people, I can't say that I've found a specific type of person. No, nope, it's all types of person with all types of background, with all different color skin, with all different color hair, with all different religions. None of that is relevant, absolutely irrelevant. You're a human being and you've got, you know, your own unique skills, gifts and talents and characteristics and temperaments to bring into the world. You're unique. You are, I am, we all are, you know. So so I don't think it's anything to do with that. I, I, I you know... Maybe sometimes a bit of luck, <laughs> you know, a bit of misfortune. And like I say, and just maybe one or two little things that just, you know, that just, I, I remember being in my fitness days. I was about 26, 27, just, probably just before I got into psychology. I remember one of the therapists, well, like massage therapists at this private club I used to work at. And she was telling me about personal development books. And she was saying, if you go into this bookshop, one might jump out at you, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, the hell are you talking about? Are you mad? You know, not a whiff of it was entering my mind. You know, I just thought, oh, that's stupid. You know, roll on two or three years later and I'm immersed into every book I can. Yeah. You know, so like, <laughs> you just never know, do you? What, yeah. what sequence of events? Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a big topic and uh, not, yeah. not, not a definitive answer, I don't think, of yeah. why, what, what makes us actually change. Can, can anyone change under the right circumstances? Yeah, yeah you, I, I've, I've shown this absolutely clearly. Um, my whole PhD research was based on showing, I bought empirical evidence into the world of psychology that you can change and you can change quickly. And that was my thing, you know, that you could rapidly reprogram the subconscious mind. I'd seen this year in, year out, year in, year out with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of clients. Mm. And then I started to measure the effects of these changes over a 15 year period with clients that had done the technique 15 years ago. So you can change and you change quickly. I've shown that very, very clearly. And in fact, Mike, that's a nice segue because that is the number one biggest limiting belief of them all. The biggest subconscious and conscious limiting belief of them all is the fact that we think and we've been conditioned to think that change, changing something about ourselves, changing our mindset, changing our attitude, becoming more confident, having more self-belief, getting rid of anxiety, getting rid of frustration, getting rid of fear. We've been conditioned to think that that's going to take forever and we mm. probably can't even do it. You know, mm. we've been conditioned to think that change will be difficult, that it will be long, that it will be painful, that it will be uncomfortable, that it will be taking something away from us. We've all been conditioned to that. Underlying it, we've been conditioned from caveman days that change is not safe. That, you know, still deep within that brain structure is that fight-flight system that back in caveman days, you know, when we were cavemen, cave women, any change on the horizon could threaten our safety, could threaten mm. our survival. Mm. And so we're hyper to change back then, and we needed to be to survive. 
The problem is that same brain structure is still alive, but now we've got modern life wrapped into it, and you've got all your personal history and my personal history, and all your viewers have got their own personal history, and that fight-flight system's wrapped up into all of that. And so we still think that change is going to be hard, difficult, long, painful, and taken away from us. That's the, those are the biggest limiting beliefs of them all. Firstly, because they're not, it's not true. Mm. Bottom line, they are not truths. They're not facts. You can change and you can change rapidly. You can reprogram your subconscious rapidly. 60 seconds, 90 seconds, you know, five minutes a day, you can absolutely completely change yourself. And that's, that's, that's how it is. You know, that, these are techniques and uh, scientific based techniques that actually do this. So what we really want is the foundations of our subconscious. And, and I'm also want to go on to a piece here, because this is why a lot of personal development programs don't work properly or fully. The foundations of the subconscious mind need to be, it is safe for me to change. I deserve to change. All parts of me are ready, willing and able to change. It's natural for me to change. It's in my best and highest good to change. I love myself enough to change. You imagine if those are your baseline programs, your fundamental programs in your subconscious, then any aspect of change, anything you do, any technique, any meditation, any course, anything that's going to give you some change is on solid foundations. Mm. But if you don't have those, and let's say I test you, and I've tested this on thousands of people, it is safe for me to change. I believe that 100%. And I test your subconscious. 90% of people fail that test. That's based on over 2,000 people. You know, they fail that test because that's the primitive survival level outdated belief again. It's not safe for me to change because any change could threaten, be a threat. You know, the old fight, flight, primitive program, it's not even reacting to today's world. It's the old program, the subconscious program about change that's reacting in a world that's not full of dinosaurs and dogs as such, you know. Um, so you, you, that, that old pattern needs to go because if you keep, if you can't, if deep down you don't think it's safe to change or any of those, there will always be a part of you going that way when you want to go that way. And that means... You've never been able to access your full knowledge, skills, and experience properly because there's a part of you holding back, and you won't even know about that part, but you'll just feel a level of anxiety, a little bit of inner dialogue that's not supporting you, and you probably might procrastinate or put it off or change the goal or reduce the goal or forget about it. You know, why, why, why? Because deep, deep down at the bottom within you, you don't believe you can change, it's safe to change. What we need is to say, yeah, change gives me opportunity. Change is good for me. You know, I can thrive in a changing environment. Today, Mike, we all need that. We all know the pace of life and how quick it's changing. Of course, this year has gone completely mad for most people, you know. So, you know, in a world changing as fast as ours, if subconsciously you don't feel you can change, you're almost always in stress. You know, you always have a little bit of stress response going on because subconsciously you're looking, you're needing to change, you're wanting to change, but your subconscious is saying, no, it's not safe, no, you can't, you know, no, you're not ready, blah, blah, blah. And that's the first thing that has to go. And this is what I've seen with many personal development um, techniques and programs and whatnot. People that have come to my clinic with a long list of personal development qualifications and trainings and books and whatnot, but you test them on the raw basics uh -uh, and the, the foundations are not there. So you can put loads of stuff into your mind, but if you're solid foundations, you can't change, it's not safe, it's going to be hard, it's going to be difficult. That's, that, that's not going anywhere. That's not landing, you know? It's like, it's like building a sandcastle on a very, very wet beach that's just about to be washed yeah. away again. It doesn't hold. And that's the key, because you have to do that first. And, and most personal development programs miss that, and I think they miss that because most of them are not practitioners. You know, most of them are salespeople wrapped up in personal development suits, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
Um, you know, and there's, some, there's a lot of good programs out there, don't get me wrong, but if your foundations are not set, that's why they don't work or they don't work properly. That's interesting. And I, I, I'm a massive fan of Tony Robbins I, I, and that did cause change, positive change yeah, for yeah. me. Yeah. And we addressed maybe a little bit of what you're talking about, but, but not much. And I'm wondering now, and this is my uh, critical thinking here, is there something about that repeat customer marketing going on? Or is it just simply that they're just not aware that they need to do? Because you're right, these foundation questions, it's safe for me to change. I love myself enough to change. I'm thinking, oh, that's such powerful questions. And I'm not sure I would say yes to all those questions right now. And I'm just wondering, like you say, you know, is it that there's a lot of marketing going on there and just this thing around capitalism and us trying to bring people in repeat, 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 or are the people like the Tony Robbins-esques of the world trying to do this? And maybe they're not even aware of, of some of these techniques you're talking about. Any, any thoughts on that? Um, I think, you know, I mean, I, as I mentioned to you in our pre-chain, I, I did that Tony Robbins UPW 97 and I loved it. I had a fantastic time. I was 27 at the time. It was mm. rah, rah and high energy. And I think if you fully immerse yourself in that, like he asks you to do, mm. you know, suggest you fully immerse yourself, play full on. If you're doing that for three and a half days, if you don't get a change, there's something wrong, man. You know what I mean? That's, that's intense stuff. You're in there <laughs> and you're with thousands of people with a lot of energy, you know, so you can get a lot of change from that. The reality is, though, Mike, the reality is, and I'm not dissing Tony, I think the dude's awesome. You know, he's, he's, he's done so much great work and helped so many millions of people. Fair play to the man. Mm. Um, the, the reality is, when you leave the three-day holiday with the intensity of the crowd and the energy, and two days later, you're back at work at your desk, how are you feeling? How are you mm. doing? Mm. You know, have you got the change you want, or was it just a nice little bit of rah-rah? Now, some people, and I think a lot of people, can get enough change in those situations to do something different like you did you know to, to go do you know what actually it's time for me to change and that mm. can just give you the impetus the momentum brilliant and i think for a lot of people it doesn't necessarily you know do a thorough job of reprogramming your subconscious because it's not specifically for that there are obviously lots of aspects to these workshops but inevitably the ones that actually make changes to continue they've changed the subconscious programs and the ones that don't and go back to the same the programs haven't changed and that's mm. how it is yeah it's, it's interesting because i think as i mentioned to you in the pre-chat i oh, excuse me i um i knew or oh, i had this feeling that yeah there's this roar or there's this energy but i could sense you know you go back into your um normal environment mm. and you're going to get sucked into to whatever's going on so that monday i booked the meeting with my boss for that friday to give my notice in because i knew oh, if i didn't wow. do it that week i'm yeah. going to be there for another 15 years so after a 15 year <laughs> career you know tony finished on the sunday on the monday the meeting's booked in that friday i'm sitting down almost in tears going it's time for me to go here i, I need to give my notice and it sparked that change but I knew, because I wanted to do this after my Wim Hof retreat. I, I did the Wim Hof retreat and I thought, I, I need to leave this job. I, there's so many things I need to get stuck into. But my boss at the time said, just, just, you're probably on a bit high right now. Give it a week or two and you'll probably feel a bit different. And I think he was coming from a good place at the time. But what, he, what that did was it got me back into the environment. I distanced myself from the Wim Hof-esque wonderful thing. And I was like, oh, it's probably a bit crazy to leave my job right now. This is a really safe job, you know, and all those things kind of crept back in. Yeah. And, and so I recognised that after the Tony Robbins piece, like, no, nothing's getting in my way. This time I'm going to have my notice in and I'm, I forced that change to happen. But I still didn't address those, those kind of underlying things you're talking about. I wanted to ask you, so you're saying that you're asking people these questions and you're saying, you know, I love myself enough to change. I feel it's safe to change. And you said you're doing something with the muscle restriction. What, what's going on then? How, what, how, what's the science behind that? 
Okay, so, so the first thing I would say is full respect to you, Mike, for stepping up and making the change. Because most people don't, you know. Full respect to you. And I think, you know, you that should be, well, hopefully that's inspirational to, to other people because you are a normal guy that's doing normal stuff and you did the workshop and you made that decision and you followed it up. Most people don't do that. So full respect to you for that. Um, now... Um, do you know what would be interesting another time? We could do this if you wanted. If you, if you and Les wanted to come to my practice, we'll film this and I'll test you live. And okay, we'll test you on it. those beliefs. Yep. And we can, you can put that on your podcast if you yes, want. Please. That, yep. that would really, really be interested. Um, so, yeah. So, basically, then, this comes back to the gamma mindset technique. So, the gamma mindset technique, as I say, is a technique that creates this peak brain state known as gamma. But I also use a muscle testing technique called kinesiology, but it's a very very sort of advanced form of kinesiology. So we're just using a muscle test. It's not so easy to, to show you here, but we could leave that for the, oh, we could leave that for the other video, you know, which mm. would be a full test, um, where you're basically using muscle, muscle testing, you are able to communicate with the subconscious system. So you're bypassing the conscious mind. So you're actually testing exactly what we were talking about earlier. When I say a statement, does it fire up your higher centers or does it fire up your stress centers? Are you open to that belief, to that, you know, to that success, etc., or are you blocked at the subconscious level? And you're able to find that immediately. As I say, it would be absolutely amazing to test you and, and, and you know, your friend Les and we video that. You can put it on your podcast. Yep. You, can see, you can see it live, you know? Yeah, we'll do that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and then, of course, when you find these blocks and, and whatnot, which over the years, I have found that there are seven key or the seven biggest i would suppose subconscious blocks the seven biggest subconscious blocks to success they, they, and they really are uh, number one of course being change like i said you know your ability to change subconsciously mm. but you're able to reprogram those beliefs you know by, by activating this peak brain state you're able to reprogram these beliefs in rapidly 60 seconds 30 seconds in because when you create gamma gamma brain waves more of your brain wells fire more of your brain waves fire at the same time let me say that again, more of your brain cells fire at the same time. So you get what's called neural synchrony, which is a fancy sounding term, meaning more of your brain cells fire at the same time. You know, there's, a, there's a oneness effect, there's a flow effect, there's a coherence effect. Mm. And that's just like you're, you've got an instant download into your subconscious. Uh, and I've showed this with thousands of people, you know, with, with multiple different tests. Uh, this all sort of went into my PhD research um, in the end so yeah you, you know you you can make those changes rapidly and we, we can go into that a bit more if you want yeah well i would like to know a bit about these these uh, waves because i've heard theta delta or, but i still really wouldn't be able to tell people what they meant and why they exist so could you give us a bit about okay. that yeah so like me now so we, we on a, in a 24-hour day and night cycle we tend to have four types of brain waves four different frequencies going through a brain one that I'm in now is like the beta wave. So I'm wide awake, I'm thinking, I'm alert, I'm focused, I know what I'm saying, I'm enjoying myself, you know, blah, blah, blah. Now I'm, I'm also on it, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm awake and, and I can get stuff done, you know. So then we drop down a little bit. Once that sort of slows down and we just relax a little bit and we become a little bit calmer, then that's when we move into what's called the alpha wave. And alpha waves are slower. So fifth, um, the beta wave are around 12 hertz up to 15, 18 hertz. The alpha wave is around 8 to 12 hertz. So just slower frequencies. That's when we become calmer, more relaxed. We can access our intuition a bit better and so forth and so on. When we drop a little bit more, we go into what's called the theta, which is, again, it's 4 to 8 hertz. It's a slower rhythm. And for, for most of us, that's when we can almost feel like we're daydreaming into that light sleep. 
you know, we're just drifting away. And then, you know, when you get to low theta, you're almost going into sleep. And then when you're asleep, for adults anyway, um, you go to delta. And delta's where you're in deep sleep. There's no awareness of you at all. You're gone. You know, you're in deep sleep. So those are the four brainwaves we have in a 24-hour cycle. Now, today, most people experience too much beta. So too much of that on the go, uh, or certainly up until the, the COVID debacle anyway, you know, people working long hours, you know, commuting long times, multiple jobs, you know, families, mortgages, you know, busy life, you know, too much of that beta wave and too much of that, if you can't switch off from that, is a slippery slope to anxiety and depression. You know, you've got to switch that off because you, your brain doesn't want to be that active all the time. And that's a, that's a big, big factor. So that's, that's, you know, an issue. So if you can drop down and access these other states of, brainwave states, that's more, it's healthier. But then there's also this extra brainwave, which is called gamma. Now, gamma brainwaves are really when your brain is functioning at its peak. As I mentioned briefly earlier, more of your brain cells fire at the same time. So that creates coherence, it creates oneness, it creates flow. You know, your brain's functioning better. You process information rapidly in gamma. That's why you can download information into your subconscious. Rapid processing speeds. So this is a suggestion of this is what happens when you're in peak performance, when you're in peak states of consciousness, mystical, spiritual states, states of flow, states of zone. So the more you can access gamma, and the reality is most of us don't create much gamma all the, much at all, and I'll tell you a bit more about that in a minute, but the more you can access gamma and activate gamma, you are quite literally training yourself for peak performance, optimal functioning, to make flow states easier, to make getting into the zone easier, to switch off your stress response, because that's one of the big things. When you activate gamma, switch stress responses off, completely off. You can't have your amygdala stress center on when you're firing gamma up. It's gone, you know, it's the complete end of the spectrum. So just on the phys physicalness of the brain and what it does to the, you know, creating those brain waves and what the effects on the body, the physiological effects, it's an absolute bonus. But then when you know how to use that brain wave and reprogram your subconscious, then you've got a technique that just takes, you know, very, very quick technique that gives you the ability to change the, you know, the limitations that you've picked up and up upgrade your subconscious so it's in alignment with your conscious. Mm. Uh, and what's going on? Because I've heard this thing around when you're in the shower, that puts you into a different uh, brain state. Is, that, is there something there? Um, and when you wake up in the morning, it's the same sort of thing? So first thing in the morning and... Yeah, so, you know, first thing in the morning, you, when you wake up, you'll have very little beta because you haven't really wake, you're not alert, you're not focused. So you'll be in that sort of alpha sort of phase, you know, that sort of still a little bit twilight, dreamy, thinking, you know, relaxing. And then, you know, you get up and then you might, you know, you might get into the shower and get that, get the hot water on. It might perk you up a little bit, you know, your brainwaves change. But, you know, your brainwaves are changing all the time throughout the day, depending right. on what we're doing, you yeah. know. But generally... You know, if you can create gamma, if you do a gamma every day, and this is something, you know, most people have got no, you know, very, very little gamma at all. Let, let me give you, a, 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 there's an experiment. Most of the research that's been done on gamma brainwaves is actually at um, University of Wisconsin, a guy called Dr. Richard Davidson. And he's had Buddhist monks in there. He's got like a massive lab with like real high-tech brain measuring stuff, you know, probably one of the best in the world, apart from Russia. Um <laughs> And he's had Buddhist monks in there that have had over 10,000 hours of meditation experience. And he measures their brain whilst they're doing um, one of their Buddhist meditations on compassion, a compassion-based meditation. And then he sees this huge burst of gamma activity in their brain showing, look, ah, look, you know, these are in flow, they're in oneness, they're present, they're here. Wow, you know. 
Then they had a control group of students, which they taught the same compassion meditation to uh, in, the, in the university and then, uh, for a week. And then they had their brains measured doing exactly the same meditation. And they didn't have any gamma. They just saw an increase in alpha. So mm. showing that they're, they're more relaxed, they're more calm, but they're not producing this, this gamma state, you know? Mm. So when I heard this and when I was working with my technique and was able to find, ah, I can show you how to produce those gamma waves, that became very, very exciting. And that's what led to the PhD study. You know, it was like, oh, hang on a minute. Look, you don't have to spend 10,000 hours doing Buddhist meditation to create gamma. I can show you by this four-step technique. Now, I'm not saying that by doing this technique, you're going to develop the inner mind of a 10,000-hour meditating Buddhist. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that you're creating the same brainwaves, similar brainwave pattern to those Buddhists, but you don't need to have that amount of hours. It's a different technique altogether. And the reason it works is because the four aspects of the science together make it work. And, and this is what I found sort of by accident, really. So, wow. yeah, so, so, so that, that's how it all fits together. And uh, Tim, Tim Ferriss, I've heard say a few times, when you're trying to go to sleep at night, you should listen to fiction. Don't listen to like sort of self-help. And uh, is there something there to do with, if you're listening to certain types of audio that might get you back into a, a beta state and at night you're trying to calm down. So some things might trigger you more. Yeah, I think that's good advice. I've heard him say that. And I think that's good advice because it, it you know, it, it can activate your more imaginationary type of aspects of the brain where you can go off and dream about it and think about it rather than problem solving logic. What do I need to do tomorrow? You know, cancel this meeting, do this work, which just keeps you in that beta wave, you know, which mm. you don't want, obviously, when you go to sleep. Mm. But, um, you know, okay. I, I think still, I think I still think if you're relying on fiction books to go to sleep, you you probably haven't quite got things right yet. <laughs> yeah, no, that that's I, I do enjoy a good a good listen to get my mind off. So I'd be really keen when we talk about this, what we I can do to just get to go to sleep. So I'll do some breathing techniques sometimes, but I do more enjoy get out of my own head. Let's yeah. get into an audio book or a podcast, and yeah. then I'll start to wind down that Lovely. way. Yeah, so, good strategy. Mm, so let's talk then. So 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 what what's this technique? How's it work? Where are we going with this? So <laughs> it's interesting because I was, as I say, you know, years back playing around with techniques and measuring brainwaves. And the first time this actually happened, I was testing this technique and I was actually at a, um, uh, what do you call it? A neuro, excuse me, a neurofeedback clinic. It was in Harley Street in London at the time. Um, and this is the first time I did the brainwave measurements at a clinic. And as I was doing this technique, we saw these gamma brainwaves, as I just mentioned to you. So we saw, okay, what, do, what happens when you do this technique? So what happens when you do this technique is very quickly, your beta waves switch off. So me like, right, wipe that, they just switch off. Your alpha waves increase, your theta waves rapidly increase, showing really deep, quick relaxation. Now, theta is also a deep healing state. So you create, you're creating a very deep, healing state in the physical body using this technique. And then you see gamma. Within 60 seconds, you see this unbelievable amount of gamma waves. Now, when this was first, when I was first doing this, I didn't even know what gamma waves were. I'd never heard of them. I'm like, but the, the practitioner at the time that was doing all the EEG stuff, she was like, wow, I've never seen this before. Wow, holy moly. And I'm like, what? You know, what, what, what? <laughs> so it turns out that a couple of years before, I'd run a workshop and I had a brain surgeon come on my workshop. And he ended up writing the foreword to my book, an amazing guy. He's done like thousands of brain operations, brain surgeries. He's been a brain surgeon for over 30 years. African guy, amazing guy. Um, 
And so I sent the data of these brainwave maps to him. And I said, what's, what's all this about? His name's Kazadi, Professor Kazadi Kalangu. Big, big cheese in the brain surgery world. And um, he told me all about gamma, where it come from, what it does and everything. And I'm like, wow. And he said, hey, you want to you follow this up? Because if you can create gamma waves, this, is, this has a bigger, you know, profound effect on the brain and body. So, so I did, you know. And then I just started measuring more people, getting people in, measuring the brains. Yeah, this is what happens. Yeah, this is what happens. Measured over 30 people and everybody's getting the same. Drop in beta, increase alpha, increase theta, and gamma. You're mm -hmm. like, wow, this is a profound thing. I, I, I didn't even do anything with it for about six, 12 months. And the first workshop I was running, I thought, let me just show a video of this. I'll show a video of the brainwaves. And people are like, holy moly, they, they just lit up. You know, their minds lit up because they could see the brainwaves, you know, in real time. And so that, that's that having that technique then allowed me to go, right, okay, let's, let's apply this into some reprogramming, subconscious reprogramming sessions. And because I was using muscle testing, I could, I could do a, a pre-test. So somebody would say a statement, you know, let's just say, you know, it's safe for me to be a millionaire, say pre-test, integrate that into the subconscious. If it was a block, integrate that into the subconscious in 60 seconds, Mike, like rapidly. Like, and this is something that, that, you know, until my PhD research wasn't in the field of psychology, rapid reprogramming. And the reason you can do rapid is because of the brain state. And then you do a post-test and you say, no, now the body's accepting that belief. You know, that belief is now being processed by a different part of the brain. So you can do rapid, rapid reprogramming by creating this brainwave signature, reprogramming the subconscious. And as I said, this is where I came up with these seven, seven biggest subconscious blocks to success. And then if you can work through those seven, reprogram yourselves, upgrade yourself, and then use your conscious mind, your conscious awareness to notice where you are, notice your reactions, notice whether you feel happier, notice some areas of your own being that, oh, actually, I think that needs an upgrade. You know, there's some old software running there, some old patterns, there's some old emotional reactions there that are no longer serving me. Let me update that and, and then carry on, you know. So it becomes a very practical um technique because it just only takes a couple of minutes so you yeah. don't have to spend you don't have to learn to meditate you don't have to spend 20 30 40 50 minutes doing hypno hypnosis meditation type things you don't need that and that's because of the brain state you know that's because of the brain state that it gets so you know the brain state that that gets even on the theta wave the calm wave is like a hundred times quicker than hypnotherapy like like literally i mean a hundred times quicker you can't get that depth of theta by doing hypnotherapy unless it's a really well uh, you know, something that's very, very susceptible and loves hypnosis. But even then, you get a rapid increase in this in this healing relaxation wave. And again, that's because the, the four aspects of the technique all work together. You know, it's a it's a science based technique. It's not a, a made up fluffy technique. The reason it works is very solid, and there's four reasons it works. You know, so um, but that just gives you the opportunity to do rapid reprogramming. So if somebody's watching this now and they think, oh, this all sounds a bit like woo-woo, where would you point them to go away and go, look, no, there is a body of evidence here. What, it's, is it the book? Is there some papers? What can people do if they want to know a bit more about the science behind a lot of this? Yeah, the, the easiest, I mean, I'm a scientist, you know. I, I follow the principles of science. and I, You know, I don't like flaky. Uh, I like woo-woo and out there, but I don't like flaky. So if you've got my book, everything is in there. All the science is in there. All the references, all the why it works, the how it works, etc. Uh, and that's how I wanted to write it, because that's how I want to see a book. You know, mm. I don't want my opinion and my belief 
this is based on science. Here's the science. This is why it works. This is how it works. And here's the proof. Mm-hmm. You know, so you get, you get everything you want in there. It's also a really good read because it took a long time to edit to get, to get it to a really smooth, fun read. And there's some real funky examples in there as well. So that, that's the easiest way. I've also got 100 articles on my blog at gammamindset.com. There's 100 articles even not on the blog. All the science is on my, it's on my website. All the science that you'll need about personal change, peak performance, energy psychology, these, these topics about rapid change techniques, where we are today with the understanding of, of energy psychology, energy medicine, the power of consciousness, these things, uh, that's all over my website. You, you can have a field day there for free. Brilliant. And um, is there anything else that you, oh, in fact, I was going to ask you one thing, there's a documentary coming out soon. So do you want to just give us a bit of an insight into where that is and what it's about? Yeah, this is, this is really exciting. And actually, I mean, it couldn't, couldn't be more on, on it right now. It was due to be released today. Excuse me. So the, the documentary film is, excuse me, the documentary film is called The Grand Self. That's the name of the film, The Grand Self. The subtitle is called Dissolving the Illusion of Separation. So this is a very, very cool film um, created by a, a, an award-winning uh, director from Canada, a guy called James Sinclair. This is his seventh personal development, spiritual development movie, and it's his best so far. And I happen to be in it with the Gamma Mindset, which is a, which is a bonus. Uh, it's a long, bit of a long story, but um, the universe connected us, and, and James absolutely loves Gamma. He loves doing the Gamma technique, and so he, he came over. When I was living in London, he came over and interviewed me for the film, and so I'm in the film, which is really cool. And, and that comes out... Uh, that was going to come out today, Mike, but just a little bit of delay. It's coming out on Monday. Right. And I think if you just go to grandselfmovie.com, um, that, that, I think that's, that's the website. But it'll be, on my web, it'll be on my website soon as well. So, yeah. That's, that's going to be uh, – that's, that's, that's a movie that's slightly different to any of the other sort of personal development movies that are about manifestation and money and success and goals and all that. It's a more about the next level of, like, it's his story of being a young kid – um, and how he realised he had self-worth issues and he wanted to be with a girl and he didn't have the courage to ask her out. And then as he grew up, he realised he had some spiritual experiences and realised, actually, I'm much more than a physical body and I'm not just a personality. And, and then, he, he, you know, as the film goes on, he experiences being this much more grand self, you know, and how we can bring that grand self into the body. Really cool story. He goes to India and interviews these guru types and all that you know but it's a fun real heart-based movie it really activates the heart when you watch it it's um, really a, a feel-good film you know yeah I, I look forward to checking that out so uh, yeah the grand self everybody um is there anything else you wanted to say before we wrap this up crikey well we have covered the bases man um i think there's a free masterclass on my website where you can you can actually see uh the muscle testing and the gamma mindset technique you can see me do a pre-test uh, where the, the the woman that I'm testing tests weak to her personal belief about a goal that she's got and a subconscious block, and then we take her into the gamma, and then we test her again. Then you can see the brain waves and all that. So that's a masterclass. You can just see that on gammamindset.com. You can sign up for that for free. That's quite cool. It's, it's a really uh, interesting to see that uh, demonstration. Uh, and then you know the the all everything's on the site really. If you want to go further, if you want to learn the techniques. It's on the site and you can you can you can find out what you need there gamma mindset.com fantastic chris thank you so much for being a guest on take a deep breath um i thought i i genuinely can't believe we've done nearly two and a half hours that is that is bonkers and i really enjoyed that and we need to do part two where i'll come and see you and we'll uh we'll, we'll get a bit deeper I'm, I'm super excited about that yeah well it's a pleasure mike i really uh, appreciate the uh, the invite i've had a really really enjoyable morning and i'm sitting here in my kitchen having a great chat to you it's been a nice way to start my day so really really appreciate that 
Um, what's the other thing I was going to say there? Um, God knows. Don't know. Gone. Come on. Comes back to the heavens. Oh, part two. Part two will be fascinating. If you really want to do it, I know you, you have to come yeah. to me. Yeah. But you, you and, your, and your friend could come down. I've already got the camera and the light, so you didn't bring any of that. And we could literally test you. And you could say, okay, I'm here at Chris's and I'm yeah. going to test my subconscious. Let's, Let's find out what's going on. That would be, I, I love doing that with people that are interested yes. and I've never done it before because the surprises are like, oh, hello. And yeah. then you can also see how quickly we can repattern that. You know, okay. just keep, yeah. So, so I'm very, very happy to All do right. that. That would, be, that would be fun. Yeah, yeah, we'll sort the data out after this. Fantastic. Really? Lovely, Chris. Well, once again, thank you. Guys, thank you so much for watching Take a Deep Breath. Uh, very, very interesting episode. I've learned so much. I hope you guys did too. Please leave your comments, like, and share below. Let us know what else you'd like to see, and we will see you on the next episode. Thanks, everybody, again. Cheers. <laughs>